Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Todd Grips Anderson. He is a chef, a social media personality, and musician. On the show, we discuss America in 2024 and touch on pretty much everything. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. social media personality, musician, he's a chef, he's got many talents. Welcome back to the podcast. This is part two. How are you? Hey man, how's it going? Pretty good. What's, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a new year, 2024. Any uh, highlights on 2023 As before we, uh, yeah, I guess we're in, this is, a, this is a leap year, 29 days, February uh, we're heading into another month. We're already one month down. Month one. We're in chapter two of 2024. But how was your 2023? Anything you'd like to mention? Any projects you were working on or anything? Uh, you know what? Nah, man. Ever since I opened my third eye, man, it's been really, it's been hard to do anything anymore. You know, so I'm just more aware and pretty much ready to go. What do you mean you opened your third eye? Tell us about that. <laughs> uh, just aware of what's going on with the government, um, what's going on with uh, my surroundings, um, my neighborhood, certain people around me I surround myself with, uh, my thought process, um, kind of how I do things now. Just more aware of everything I do and what I put out there to certain people and places and things. What inspired you or influenced you during a, you know, your path of enlightenment, discovery, maybe self-discovery and discovery of your surroundings? Um, that's a good question, bro. Honestly, I think it was when I started becoming independent as a dad and just as a person. So... Um, I think, I don't know if it, it wasn't the matrix, definitely wasn't watching the matrix, but I, I found a few pages when I was on Twitter and Instagram and I started seeing the way that it was posting certain things online and I kind of read in deep to them. And I think there was this, I think reddit.com, I started searching on that. I, I, I discovered that. And I started seeing like this weird stuff they were posting and it kind of opened me to a lot of different things, especially when Trump was in office. I, I don't like Trump. I'm not saying I, I like Trump, but just the way he was handling things with the people that loved him 
and the way they were posting things, I kind of read into that. Uh, what's that group they had? The, the, the Quanon? Was it? Is it Quanon group? Right? Yeah, QAnon. I guess it's like some uh, conspiracy theorist group where I don't know. Yeah, this yeah. Guy says he's like some deep state insider, and he's got all this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, revelations about you know the deep state yeah. government and what that kind of all that kind of stuff, but I I find that mostly nonsense. I don't I don't I don't uh, well, read yeah, too much into I'm it. Not, you, I didn't really like the QAnon stuff. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I liked it at all. I'm saying that like I kind of that kind of opened me to search for different things when it came to that stuff. I and think I kind of seen how mainstream media is lying to us. I think the mainstream media yeah. is lying to us. I think when politicians get on stage and they talk in front of microphones, for the most part, they're lying to us. They're trying to sell us something, you know, trying yeah. to do a bait and switch. You know, it's kind of funny, like when the yeah. campaign on the campaign trail, the politicians, Joe Biden, of course, is a known liar. But, you know, Trump is a con man as well. He's been a liar his whole career. He's a very good con man. Um, but, you know, they usually tell you a song and dance that's what made that's what made me look into it though that's what made me look into certain things so i opened my i opened myself to looking into that stuff and that's how i kind of got more aware of what's really going on out here yeah i think the corporate media the agenda setting media you know i I like noam chomsky so he's my favorite uh inspiration influencer i named the podcast necessary illusions because of um one of his lecture series necessary illusions is what the elites construct they are lies, propaganda. Um, they are fictions about our reality, about our society, about our government. And they they craft these necessary illusions to kind of keep the population under control. So they tell them these lies, this misinformation, um, because if they were to tell, um, you know, the general population that, hey, you know, we don't have health care here in the United States. We also don't have free college education here in the United States. But they have it in Israel. And the reason they have it in Israel is because we fund Israel. We give them billions of dollars every single year to fund their uh, health care programs, their infrastructure, their illegal settler colonial society, which is expanding in Palestine and Gaza, annexing more and more territory every single year, and also carrying out genocide. So if Joe Biden got on stage and said, hey, you know, I know, you know, Americans pay taxes, uh, but instead of free education and health care, we're going to send it to Israel to carry out genocide and pay for their education. We would be angry and we say, no, this is this is bullshit. You know, we need yeah. to we got a lot of problems here at home, but they don't do that. You know, they don't they don't say that kind of stuff. What they do is say that, oh, you know, we're going to send them billions of dollars to stop terrorism. When In reality, um, that's a necessary illusion. In reality, um, you know, typically the. United States foreign policy, it creates more radicalized, anti-sentimental, uh, um, you know, people and terrorists because, you know, if you're, let's say you're uh, a villager in some country in Afghanistan or Iraq or Libya or yeah. South America in a country that we've attacked or tried to overthrow their government. And let's say, you know, the drone war campaign that uh, Obama carried out, let's say, you know, they assassinate your brother, but um, they don't just assassinate your brother with this um with this, you know, drone warfare, it's sometimes like a bomb or a projectile. They might kill your entire family and, and they might kill people, you know, living in your village. So you might be some poor villager in some third world country. And all of a sudden, you know, because, you, you know, maybe your brother is trying to, um, you know, radicalize some people to fight back against, uh, you know, the military troops that we sent there. 
uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be pretty angry about that, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and <laughs> so that's what these, you know, kind of drone warfare, they, they say that they're fighting terrorism, but in fact, they're carrying out terrorism and they're also radicalizing people faster than they're killing terrorists. So that's like kind of one of my necessary illusions that I like to talk about, but these are all kind of like, you know, Chomsky type lectures and, and things that he's caught me on to, you know, brought awareness to, to, to me about that. So I'm more interested in American politics, foreign policy, but also, you know, domestic policy too. For example, mass incarceration. You know, I mean, we have more, we have the largest prison population in the world. And the fact that slavery actually never ended. If you think about the Jim Crow South, which basically criminalized black life, um, we have a disproportionately amount of minorities and blacks in jails and those people are making sometimes zero dollars i think here in texas i don't think they get paid at all for prison labor in well, other they, cases they benefit they benefit off of that because the more you're in jail they i guess charge you a certain amount of money per day every day when you're in jail and then when you get out you have to pay those fines back so they benefit from that so they're not they're not only forcing you to um perform labor at no at no um, payment, at, at no money, which is slave labor or maybe pennies on the dollar. Yeah. But they're also charging you the bill, I guess, for your stay. Yeah, for the for the stay, like a, it's like a hotel, but you're locked up. But you don't, you know what I mean? Get you don't get out. You're there against your will. Not much of a vacation, huh? Yeah. But anyways, we're we're kind of going all over the place. Let's get into some of the things that you had talked about. You had mentioned parenting. You are a father. Um, what has parenting taught you about yourself? What have you learned along your journey as a parent? I guess it never really ends, right? It's, it's a constant, you know, you're evolving. You're, you have, what, a daughter? One daughter? Yeah, I have three daughters. Three daughters, uh, okay. I have one stepdaughter. Okay. And um, it kind of taught me pretty much that I'm not good at it. <laughs> and it taught me, <laughs> yeah, it taught me that... Uh, I need to work on myself more. Um, my daughter showed me what I need to work on. It shows me parts of myself that uh, that aren't really 100% yet. So kind of every time I wake up and, and do my job as a father, it's it's pretty much just a everyday job, just like a mother. I don't, nothing against mothers, but a father is definitely something that doesn't get the credit it deserves because mothers or genuinely run the show automatically. They don't have to really do as much fight when it comes to being a father. Um, fathers really don't have to do much, but also um, we pretty much take most of the slack. Um, we have to pay most of the, financial responsibilities. Um, other than that, I mean, I kind of like being a father, but I kind of hate it at the same time because I wish my, my dad, dad was there for me more, which probably could have made me a better father. You know what I mean? Sometimes that kind of helps you become a, a better parent. But if you don't have your parents with you, you know, during being a child that might affect you being a parent too. So working hours, working hours are going up too. I mean, I think to just get by, you know, some people are having yeah. to work two, 
three jobs, you know, just to put food on the table. So a lot of times, you know, we're getting kids today being raised by YouTube and tablets and phones and the TV. I think that's a major problem. Big problem. My kids do their homework and they got their phone on and they're scrolling while they're doing their homework. It takes almost two, you know, hour and a half, two hours. When it's only a 30-minute job, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, if you just sit down and focus, Maybe. cut out the distractions, you could get it done a lot quicker, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But also, it's a plus because sometimes the teachers, uh, you know, they have the apps now on the phones for the kids and everything. But at the same time, it's still a distraction. But you have to learn to control those distractions sometimes, you know? Sometimes it's, it's good to be in the room with the child to help get the homework done and all that good stuff. So what did you think about COVID, you know, being a parent during COVID education during COVID went mostly online, you know, you're, you're basically, you know, using T uh, using the computer, maybe chat rooms. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a son or a daughter, but what did you think of the whole COVID experience and like online learning? Um, I think it seems like kids don't learn very well uh, that way as they might, you know, maybe learn a little bit better being in uh, the actual classroom, being with their peers and kids of their own age and being able to talk, play, all that kind of stuff. So what did, what did you learn about the educational experience and COVID and all that? Uh, during COVID, it was actually a good thing because me and her mother were hands-on with her and we were able to during her struggles. Um, if she had any questions, we were right there for her. We didn't have to worry about not getting the work done. Um, honestly, we didn't have to worry about peer pressure with other kids. It was really a good thing. Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. The online thing, it only lasted so long. It's not like they were sitting in classes all day. So I kind of like I kind of adapted to that really good. It was really good for, for my daughter. You know, it was good to teach her and, and be hands-on with her. Yeah, it was a learning experience for all of us. Maybe we'll get into some COVID questions, but uh, you had mentioned, you know, your father and how you were raised. Do you ever look back at maybe the parenting parenting styles of, of your parents and maybe thinking back to mistakes that they made or how maybe maybe some good things that they did? Do you try to learn from them? Do you try to do things differently? Do you try to do things similarly? What is, you know, being a father taught you about maybe your own childhood and your own um, relationship with your parents? Uh, my dad compared to me being a dad is to the total opposite. Um, he had troubles seeing me but I kind of took the initiative to come to my daughters and kind of break through, call them all the time, constantly bother their mothers just to make sure they know that I'm in their life. Um, I don't think that my dad had the opportunity to build that relationship because of the relationship with him and my mom. I don't, knock anybody for what happened, but I do also look at what happened and what he was telling me throughout the years. And I kind of take that and try to change the narrative with my children. 
I think we, talk, we can talk a little bit about the politics, too. I mean, this is an election year. I think uh, I, I, I oppose both Trump and, and Biden. It's a $20 billion, probably be a, maybe a $20 billion election. It might take $10 billion to win the presidential uh, nomination, which is absurd. There's so much money in politics. I think that's one of the biggest problems in our political uh, economic system is just, you know, the, this, the money in politics and what it takes, all the corporate bribes and payoffs and just bags and bags of money. But um, I think one of the reasons that Trump won, I, I kind of believe that both parties, um, you know, abandoned the working class. De- uh, the Republicans have never really been much about the working class. They've always been, you know, kind of uh, subservient to the business interests of this country. Um, the Democrats, you know, if you look back to, let's say, like FDR, the New Deal, um, you know, during the Great Depression, um, you know, work projects where, um, you know, they were trying to have government, um, you know, be the catalyst for um, infrastructure and um, public yeah. works projects, uh, Social Security, um, all different types of things um, the New Deal are, was responsible for. But that's not the new Democratic Party. I think the, the current Democratic Party left um, working class people behind decades ago. There's a big problem in the United States, too. Um, with poverty, uh, there's a huge problem with poverty, but not just people of color, not just people of, of minority, but also white people too. So I think what Trump was able to do was ride the wave of disgruntled um, working class people into the White House with you know rhetoric, basically you know uh, scapegoating whatever Mexicans, minorities, yeah. uh, taking their jobs, foreigners, that sort of thing. I mean, I don't like any of his rhetoric, but he was able to, I think, successfully connect. With uh, working class people, working class males, and, and yeah. white working class men. Um, so I think that there's a big problem here in the United States. The Democratic Party doesn't even pretend to care about working class people. And I think a lot of men, you know, white men especially, feel disgruntled, angry. Um, you know, they're not, their lives aren't getting better. A lot of people find themselves on uh, an economy going nowhere, struggling, working two, three jobs just to put food on the table. So I, I, I kind of, you know, frame it that way yeah. when, when we talked about in the pre-call about, you know, how you mentioned, um, you know, men don't get maybe as much credit for being part of the family unit and, you know, raising children. Also men's health, too. Um, you know, so talk to me. What, 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 uh, why, why you mentioned men's health specifically? Um, and, and what do you want to talk to, to uh, or what do you want to say, I guess, generally about maybe men's health and maybe men's mental health as well? Men's health, um, I think it's important to at least take control of your body and what you eat. It's very hard to um, kind of control what you eat in today's society because a lot of the food is kind of like generated through a machine. It's not really grown the way it's supposed to be, but um I think a lot of the food affects our mental health nowadays more than our own immune system because of what they put in it. So before, I think it affected our bodies, but now it affects our minds. Um, going back to the, the politic thing with, with Trump real quick, um, I would say, like, imagine being in my position like a chef. And being like the chef of the world and cooking for everybody in the world, um, 
you don't really know who's eating your food. You don't know who likes it. You don't know, who, you know what I mean? You're in a small circle in the kitchen and you're just cooking the food for people that are coming in, buying the food. You don't know everybody. You see what I'm saying? So if Trump is in office or whoever's in office is trying to run the country, they're just running the country off what they see and what they know and the people around them. They're not going to each state and, you know, each hood or each neighborhood or each suburb. You know what I mean? It's very, very hard to understand everything. So that's that's the problem with the president. It's very tough to learn how to handle everything. It's very it's a very tough job. But what you said, Trump did. He did reach the people the way he was doing things. Um, that was a good thing. But, you know, it kind of got off track after a while. But uh, yeah. but I, I, I think the, the Democrats, they're they're not trying to um, reach out and connect with people and say, you know, and learn from their mistakes. All they're yeah. trying to do, like Trump won, you know, I guess what was that 2016? He won because of, you know, disgruntled working class people. I think he connected with them. Uh, you know, Biden won the 2020 election. But instead of, you know, learning from their mistakes or, you know, having Biden deliver on some of his campaign promises, what they're going to try to do is tie Trump up in court, you know, make it illegal for him to run for the president, make him, you know, have to sit through court, um, you know, sift through millions and millions of dollars in lawyer fees, uh, lawsuits. Um, he's getting sued. Well, he, did, right. he, he did already have money. He did already have money before he became president. So that kind of gave him the advantage. Oh, sure. Already. Yeah, I mean, it's $10 million to run for president. You got to have a lot of money or at least friends with a lot of money. And that's, you know, obviously what Trump and Biden both have. But I guess my point would be like, instead of Biden delivering on campaign promises, you know, like student loan forgiveness or more affordable health care or even Democrats raising the minimum wage. They didn't deliver on any of that stuff they were talking about. In fact, uh, the minimum wage, I just saw this tweet uh, from the Eugene Debs um, Museum. The the $7.25 minimum wage right now in the country, while the Democrats at one point in time had a Democratic president and a democratically controlled Congress, they did not deliver on raising the minimum wage, which is now 15 years old in the Eugene Debs uh, uh, museum, who's a working class hero who died in the early 1900s, but a real working class hero, uh, they had said that uh, $7.25 an hour, the minimum wage, is now 15 years old. It hasn't been raised in 15 years. Wow. Now making the minimum wage eligible to work in Indiana. Apparently, uh, Indiana at 15, you can get a job. So that's a that's real failure crazy. by the Democrats. Trump doesn't need you know you, to uh, you know, raise you the know minimum wage. You know what's crazy, bro? I just got a raise at work, and guess how much it was? I have experience, 13 years experience as a uh, in the kitchen or in the restaurant business. I got a dollar raise from my experience after I was eight to ten people have quit within a year, and I had to go through all the bullshit to cover hours, this, that, and the third, but. I only got a dollar raise one and they dollar. said, well, thank you for your, your work. and I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll take the raise, but a dollar yeah. raise, bro. That's After true. all that. And then the yearly, so a yearly review on our job, you get a 10 cent raise. 
I don't understand it, bro. I don't understand. But they just, they're so, like, really, really strict with trying to give people what they want. And this is why people don't want to work. Like, this is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Someone's- and it, it goes back to, it goes back to Trump uh, being greedy with the money. You know, people being greedy with the money that are in the high class. The 1%. And they look at lower class. The one percent. That's our class. enemy. I think. I think you and yeah, I are both class people. You and I are both in the ninety-nine percent. Our focus should be on the one yeah. percent. The people like Trump and his friends, Elon Musk, all those scumbags that own all the stocks, all the businesses that hoard all the wealth, the trillions and trillions, yeah. trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth, and they're the ones. Um, you know, poverty exists not because there's not enough money to go around, but because there's not enough money to. Um, to uh, feed the need of the, or the greed, I should say, of the rich and powerful. They always want money, more. power, more respect, money, power, enough. respect. Yeah. <laughs> more is never enough for these people. But uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, we, we had mentioned too, like the food industry. And speaking of politics, you saw this among the news as I did as well. The farmer strike, there's farmer strikes uh, going on all over the country. You had mentioned worker strikes, um, you know, we're only getting a dollar raise. Uh, I think I would recommend trying to join a union or unionize your workplace. It's um, the only way I think possible to fight back against the ruling class. You know, they're yeah. typically, you know, you have a, you know, in a restaurant, maybe a group of investors or one single investor who are splitting up all the profits. Uh, but I think one way to combat that is to unionize, to organize with everyone else and say, Hey, listen, we're not going to take $1 raise. Either you give us all oh, a 5 or $10 raise or we're all out of here and you got to find new workers for the, the front of the house and the back of the house. You know what I'm saying? Imagine imagine that happen. Imagine that. They'll just go find people that are work for cheap, man. That's, They'll just get rid of us and find someone else, man. So it is so, so technically it is illegal to uh get rid of uh workers because they unionize, but you and I both know that that happens all the time. So, yeah. unfortunately, that's the way it is. It is illegal to do that, but they'll just come up with some other bullshit. They'll say, "Oh, you know, Todd came in work three. Todd, <laughs> Todd came in late three days in a row, so he's out of here." You know, and yeah. <laughs> so at the at the at the uh, job I work, we have twelve. We have twelve point system. If you call off or you're late or this, that, and the third, there's one point. You got twelve points a year. So oh, they give wow. you 12 points. That's it. Damn. After that, they give you a 90-day. Uh, they suspend you for 90 days, and you can't come back for 90 days. If you get fired, you can't come back for a year. It's very strict, man. So you got to really be careful with these new jobs because they're starting to you know, be real strict on how they hire and, and how they uh, kind of – how you control, you know, working at the – Workplace. I hate when people say, you know, people don't want to work anymore. You hadn't mentioned that. Uh, and the reason that maybe so-called people don't want to work anymore is like you're saying, bust your ass for 12 months for a goddamn dollar, $1 an hour raise. That, that even That's not keeping up with inflation. My, my insurance goes up every year. The gas and the grocery bills, it goes up every single year. That's a slap in the face to only get a dollar. Even worse would be a, a, a freeze on wages. 10, 10 cents for your annual review? Give me a goddamn break. What? Um, <laughs> it is shit. It is crazy. But that is, you know, that's that's the uh, you know, that's that's the world we live in. What I would what I would want, though, ideally, 
would be, um, you know, like talk about the kitchen or restaurant you work in. Like, you know, the hierarchy, I think it's completely bullshit. I think it's, it's bullshit that there's a hierarchy of people telling others what to do. I think the cooks and the chefs, I think they know best. I think the waitresses that do a really tough job, waiters, waitresses that do a really tough job. I think that, the, you know, the, the workplace should be maybe unionized or even owned and operated and controlled by the workforce. Everyone's equal. One one say, one person, one vote, majority rules. And then profits are split up equally. Instead of all the profits going at the top, you know, to the people that own the restaurant, it's split up equally with the workforce. And then maybe we wouldn't even need tips either. Instead of having tips, just pay everyone a living wage and try to run a successful business. And at the end of the day, end of the week, or end of the year, you split up the profits evenly. Not the person at the top gets 90% of them and whatever else trickles down to the bottom. You know, maybe you get a couple of nickels, but equally. So, you know, if you're there and you work more, maybe you get more of the profit. If you're only part-time, you get a little bit less. But uh, that's how that's I would how think rich, it'd be an equal that's how rich system. the richer and the poor get poorer, man. That, that's exactly the system we live in, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, let's go back to Food Inc. here. So I wrote down some stuff about Food Inc. generally. I've had some people on the podcast. We live in a country with a supply chain. You know, our food travels great distances to, to get to our kitchens and on our plates Uh, Lots of processed food, preservatives, chemicals, animals, and um, vegetables, whatever, pumped full of uh, hormones, genetically modified food. Uh, Animals are, you know, they live a very miserable life, like chickens, pigs, cows. Uh, Some, some, you know, might live in these tiny um, spaces, barely being able to stand up in their cage or their, their little cell. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're slaughtered, you know, they're fattened up and they're slaughtered, they're served to us. We're disconnected from our, you know, from our food. Like if we were on a farm raising a cow, you know, that might be Betsy and I'd feel bad and sad having to put her down. But, uh, you know, it mm-hmm. might be food for, for a month or two. But we're so disconnected from our food, these supply chains. Um, and, then, and then also getting into, um, you know, the waste, the waste of the food. So much is wasted, so much garbage, so much packaging while, you know, there's people starving all over the world, right? But in America, so much wasted food, so much packaging and contents and plastics, uh, earth treated like a giant trash can. So I'm just kind of giving you a synopsis of what I think about Food Inc. I'm an outsider, though. What say you about Food Inc. and the state of food and how it's processed, how it's served to us, where it comes from, uh, you know, and maybe our, losing our connection, you know, with nature and the, and the food that we eat and butcher and whatnot. I would say, like, have you ever been to a fair? You go see, you see the pigs in the in the dirt. <laughs> you see the chickens running around. Yeah, that's our food, man. I mean, yeah, look at that. That's a whole comparison of what we're getting in the grocery store. Uh, the pit, the the pork is dirty. Doesn't matter how clean it looks in the packaging. The the chicken is modified. There's shit that they put in it that make it big. I don't know what kind of chemicals, but they they showed I, multiple. I saw videos. something. There was a, it was a chicken from like the 1930s, which was just like a regular looking bird, just like a regular looking yeah. bird. And now you get these big fat chickens with these ginormous breasts, and they're so fat and big yeah. they they can't even walk or they break their legs. I mean, it's not even healthy. It's ridiculous, right? They feed them. They feed them uh, certain things that make them that way, and there's chemicals in that stuff that they feed them. So, and then they We're give it to stuff. us. We're eating that stuff too, you know. It's yeah, going, not so, just going so in the chickens; it's going in our bodies. So you know how you uh, 
let's say you try to stretch, uh, I don't know, for example, like if you're making a cheese sauce and you put a little bit of water to stretch it, they put chemicals in chickens so they can kind of make them fat to stretch the chicken a little bit. You know, they don't want to give you the whole, like the regular chicken, because the regular chicken is small. So they have to feed it and make it a little bigger to stretch that and make more profits. That's basically what it is. That's what they do with pigs. That's what they do with almost. That's that's almost what they're doing with uh, vegetables now. That's why the farmer strike, you know, low key is in effect. But oh yeah, they're putting chemicals on vegetables now. Let's if you don't go straight, if you don't go straight to the farm and get the vegetables, you're going to get modified or chemicals on the vegetables. Simple and plain. Let's go. Let's go back to the farmer strike. So my recommendation to you and any other exploited worker is to organize with others, join a union, start a union, and take back the power against our capitalist yeah. oppressors. But uh, you know they might fire you, so good luck. But uh, unfortunately, that's the system we live in. But um, I am in a union. I support a union, and I I'm union strong. So not that I think the unions are perfect, but um, you know I think unions are a great thing. Um, without without organized. Um, workers together, we will get crushed by the people that own all the businesses in this country, the rich and the powerful. So uh, if you can and you're interested, talk with some other people around your workplace, join a union, start a union. Unions don't just improve wages and living standards for um, for the people in the unions. They perform or improve uh, wages and living standards for everyone. So, for example, if there's a, if there's a unionized... How, do you, how, do you join, how would you join a union, though? How would, you how would I... We have mine, to start mine was our already own established. Union? Mine was already established. What you can do is organize with people in your in your restaurant business and say, "Hey, listen, I think we should join up. We should go together. We should vote unanimously um, to, you know, if if I get fired, we all walk, you know, that sort of thing, and maybe collectively go to the boss and say, "Listen, we all want." Cost of living is outrageous. We, we know you're making good money. You know, write up a list of demands. And you might say, you know, we're going to organize. Uh, and you can also get, you can also talk. I'm sure there's websites. I've never organized a workplace. But you can you can um, talk with some of the local union representatives in your, I guess, local community. And in and around Pittsburgh and, and Pennsylvania generally, I would check out some of the websites. And sometimes they can have uh, a representative come to your workplace and tell you. I am no expert. I've actually had some union organizers on my podcast in the past, but I would uh, either you know start talking with people that you work with, see if there's some interest there, see if you all have the same grievances. Maybe you have a list of demands, like you want healthcare or you want higher wages or you want to split up whatever uh, the workload or you want shorter working hours, whatever it is, and just say, hey, like look, look we're all together in this. Uh, and if you fire one of us, we're all going to go, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and it, it's, it's dicey. It really is. I, I, I wish it was easier. I wish we lived in a more worker friendly um, country, but we don't. But uh, I think, you know, that's, that's one way to, to go about it. And probably don't take my word for it. I would go to, I don't know, the Teamsters is the first union that comes to mind. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of unions in and around Pittsburgh uh, and, and Pennsylvania. Generally, it's a blue state. So I might go and maybe Google some unions, local unions, and see if someone might want to come to your workplace. Unfortunately, the owners of the company, they're not going to be too happy about uh, hearing that kind of stuff. So you probably will have to do it in secret. But, um, yeah, maybe schedule a meeting off-site with a union representative and get all the people in your workplace together see what they have to say and uh 
see if they can't, you know, maybe represent you or at least give you the blueprint uh, of how to successfully unionize. And, um, you know, again, I, I think you're the, the owners of the company, they're not going to be too happy about it. But um, the laws are in place. Um, it should be illegal to get rid of, uh, you know, organized workers. So you are protected, at least legally. But certainly easier said than done. So speaking of unions and, and striking and, you know, standing up against our oppressors, there was a farmer strike, though, going on in um, France. I saw the news. You saw the news. I think you said it's going on all over the world. I just saw okay. in France. The, the, the farmers are shutting down highways. They're spreading shit, literally manure everywhere, uh, all because the government wanted to cut subsidies, um, I guess, on fuel for the farmers, uh, making, you know, uh, making it a lot more expensive for them to you know, plow their fields, tend their fields. So that's what you can do you know, to stand up. You can organize, you can get together, and you can strike. So that's what the farmers are doing in France and maybe all over the world. What have you seen about the farmer strike? Uh, I've just seen... They was blocking traffic at uh in one area. They uh bro, I don't I don't know, but there's been so much different things that I've been seeing. Uh farmers they they put haystacks into <laughs> They're stores. wild, man. They're wild. They was putting haystacks in the stores in the front <laughs> in the front stores. <laughs> Striking the stores. I'm like, bro, like they're really going hard for this though, but they're going the hard. Time, That's how you do it. It makes sense. That's how yeah, you it do makes it. Sense. They're not just so. gonna give you they're not gonna just say, Hey, you know what? Here's ten bucks an hour raise. Go ahead. It's it's yours. You're gonna have to go and Maybe put some fucking hay bales in front of your restaurant if you want that money. You know what I'm saying? Hey, and you know what? This goes back to this goes back to me talking about what made me aware. This is the type of stuff that I'm seeing. This is why I look deep into things and start to realize, okay, I gotta I gotta really do my research into what's going on in this world because people won't do this stuff for nothing. There's there's reasons why they're doing this stuff. And, and I like not, you. I not, get my news. It's not like it. Black Lives Matter. It's, you know what I mean? This yeah. is a farmer's strike. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come on, man. This is working class people. This is everyone. Yeah. You know, the farmers. Without the farmers to tend the fields and, you know, get us our food, we're all screwed. You know, so when the farmers, yeah. when they speak up and do something, we better listen, you know? When they're Have, unhappy, you, seen Have you seen this on the news? I haven't seen none of it. That's what I was just about to say. I saw it on Reddit, and I'm also, you know, a leftist on Twitter. So I mostly get my news from leftist Twitter yeah. and Reddit. Uh, it is absolutely not on the mainstream news. They do not want you to see that kind of stuff. They do not want you to see normal working class people standing up for themselves against the man. They don't want to Great. see that at all. So, yeah, that type of news story, it's suppressed. They do not yeah. want us in America to say, hey, wait a minute. The farmers in France are speaking up. They're pissed. You know, they're, yeah. they're tired of their bullshit government screwing them over. Why don't we do that here? We could yeah. do that. If we had a free press, they would report on that exactly. kind of stuff. We yeah. do not have a free press here in the United States, not even close. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I get my I get a lot of my news on on Twitter and, and Reddit. Do you have That's where Telegram? you get yours too. What's that? You have Telegram? You have Mm-mm. Telegram? Mm-mm. What's get that? on Telegram. Telegram. Uh-uh. Get on Telegram? It's, it's it's uncensored. Oh, okay. Uh go go to Telegram and uh Download it from the internet. Don't download it on the Play Store. If you download it on the Play Store, you won't get the uncensored version. You'll get the blocked version. But it's it's just as much. It's just as big as Reddit. Yeah. Pretty okay. much. So. Telegram. Yeah. 
So we're on a podcast right now. This is the Necessary Illusions podcast. You're thinking about starting a podcast, you and your daughter? Uh, I was talking to her about it. I just want to talk about real life situations, um, the past, the present, the future, and see kind of where she's at. She's almost 15, so I think she has her own thoughts together enough to understand how to say things. So I think it would be pretty cool to, you know, see her perspective on things as the world that we live in right now. You know what I mean? I think it's a good idea. You think uh, you think you have an idea? You want to do one with her? Or do you want to do a solo podcast? Do you have an idea of stuff you might want to cover? Oh, no, no. This this will be with her. Okay. Me and her together. So she'll always be on it. You know, yeah. talking about situations. So. Um. Let's go. We have a couple more things to get to. Some of the things yeah. that we talked about. Um. Why don't we go to talked a little bit about healthcare. The United States doesn't have a healthcare system. It has a national scandal. The most expensive, bloated healthcare system, excuse me, in the world. Uh, it's run by big insurance companies, big pharma, and it's a major problem. Um, what, did, what did you think generally about the global pandemic? Um, I, you know, I thought the, the COVID was a serious disease. It killed millions of people. I was in opposition to forced vaccinations. I think people should have been able to make up their own mind. I don't think you should have the threat of being fired or not being able to return to work or that sort of thing. If you didn't want to take the vaccine, I think the vaccine was, um, I think it was kind of rushed through production. Uh, it was also, you know, uh, an opportunity for these big pharmaceutical companies to make billions and billions of dollars to profit on a pandemic, which is just terrible thing. I hate a healthcare system that allows, pharmaceutical companies to profit when there's uh, an emergency or a pandemic or, or some kind of thing yeah. like that. Um, but, you know, I, I also was certainly not anti-vax. I took the vaccine. I took a booster. So that's my thought. But I just was, I guess, against force and coerced, you know, force mandates how do you, how do you feel? How do you feel after taking the vaccine? Though? I feel fine. No different. I, I didn't different, get COVID. Different. I don't think I ever got covid um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like the, the government forced on people and I thought that was a bad thing. I think that's, you know, taking away, you know, civil rights, human rights. Uh, what, what, what about you? What did you think about the vaccine? what did you think about the COVID pandemic? what did you think about all that stuff? I've had some people on here that were anti-vax and were a lot more outspoken against the, um, you know, the global pandemic than I am. I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist on the global pandemic or the vaccine. Yeah. Uh, I took it and I think it was a real, you know, global pandemic. So uh, that's not what, how I view things, but there have been people on my podcast that view things a little bit different. What say you about the whole, the whole shenanigans, the COVID-19? Uh, what did it teach you? I didn't take the vax at all. Um, are you, are you anti-vax for everything or just this specific vaccine? I'm anti-vax because, bro, like, honestly, the way they were talking about it, it almost tried to, like, like you said, force people into doing it. But I also hesitated because I started to see things and people reactions towards the vax. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't want to take something that they, they're just testing on people. I don't want to do that. And then the COVID situation was, oh, well, it's in the air. It's this, it's that. Uh, don't touch this. Don't touch it that. It seemed like they had no idea how it was transmitted. I mean, the story yeah. was changing every five minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So I kind of hesitated 
for a while. I'm like, okay, well, on the news, they started to say, well, if you're not going to take the vax, jobs are allowed to not let you work. And then I was like, okay, well, we'll see. So I just kind of dragged it along, didn't take it, and just kept going along and along and along. So I worked at Domino's in Florida. We were the only store that was open almost every single day of the, the past two years during that. We never closed. There was people in this, there was people in there that I guess took the vaccination, but there was people also that said they caught COVID. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel? And they was like, oh, I just, my tongue is numb or whatever the symptoms was. I'm like, all right, cool. What can you, you know, can you function? They can function well. I'm like, bro, I don't, bro, I never got involved in it that much in that deep where I was like, you know what I mean? I just was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it, bro. I don't trust it. I, I just, I never trusted the vax. Bro. I don't know I what's do, in it. I, I trust, I, 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 I trust medical doctors. I trust uh, professionals, uh, virologists and that sort of thing. I don't think they're trying to pull a fast one on us. I don't trust big pharma, pharmaceutical corporations and their agenda, which is basically to profit off the misery and disease of others. Um, yeah. And and one thing that um, I also didn't like is, you know, you were just called out for being like a conspiracy theorist for just challenging, you know, this yeah. vaccine that they were presenting to us that was fast-tracked, that, uh, you know, went into production so quickly, funded by billions and billions and billions of dollars of, you know, taxpayer money. And any any person that was questioning Big Pharma, what's in the vaccine, what's the symptoms, what's the likelihood that I'll get COVID, any question yeah. that was, you know... Speaking uh, maybe against vaccine or, you know, asking difficult questions to these vaccine companies, they were pretty much demonized and said, oh, this person's a conspiracy theorist or this person's anti-vax or this doctor's a quack. You know, instead of like giving us lots of information and scientific studies and research saying, hey, it's all right here. They were just trying to basically say, hey. Just take it. We know what we're doing and we know what's best exactly. for you, you know? And that's, that's what caught me off guard by saying that. I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean just take something? You don't even know what the hell is in that chemical. So that's why I was like hesitant. I never took it. I think there was a lot of people that were close to me and my family that made me feel like a piece of shit for not doing it. I'm talking about oh, my sure. dad. There's a lot of that my stuff. Mom. My, mom, my mom cussed me out Every single time I talked to her, she was like, you better take that fucking vaccination. Da, da, da. I'm like, look, man, I, I'm OK. I'm fine. I just don't I don't trust it. I don't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to do. I was confused. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. So, you know, here I am. Here I am, man. Millions so, of people died. So I, I don't want to I don't want to uh, I don't want to. Oh. Speaking on that, speaking on that, yes, speaking on that. So there's a lot of people that were in the hospitals and they said they're they're uh on their death certificate, it was because of uh you know COVID. So there's a there's a person that in my neighborhood everybody knew about and she passed away because of COVID. I don't I don't wanna, you know shine you know darkness on that but it's just like 
it's kind of scary because your best case scenario you thought you thought it was not taking the vaccine i mean obviously the disease and the pandemic happened but you thought the best case scenario for you was to not take the vaccine well well, no the fact that she passed the lady passed away and she was around people that had covid and that's what they said because she was around people so i was like well this is crazy i don't know what's going on yeah, that's it's just mind boggling how people were dying with something in the air that we don't even know about. So anyway, it's kind of scary at the same time. But at the same time, I was like, I have to trust myself and believe like if there, if this is something wrong for me, then it's going to affect me and I'm going to feel it. I know my body enough where I'm going to feel something if I'm feeling sick. You know what I mean? So, hey, let's let's transition. We've been on COVID yeah. a little bit too long. Talking about COVID, uh, that's one way to get your pl- podcast deplatformed. So you got to okay, watch yeah. out saying too much stuff about COVID. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, and I know the global pandemic is real, and I know COVID-19 is a serious uh, disease. We're just, you know, putting some questions to uh, what yeah. actually happened and what's, you know, maybe the repercussions from the vaccine. Is any vaccine. It's going to have side effects. But uh, anyways, let's move on because I don't want to be deplatformed. Uh, let's 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 move on to like the media. We talked about the media. Um, you know, kind of your third eye has been opened, right? You're looking for the truth. I'm just trying to sift through information, lies, misinformation, necessary illusions, propaganda. Most of which is you know told to me, I think, by the corporate media with an agenda, an elite agenda. You know, trying to present a world, the world, a certain way. Uh, you know, these media companies, of course, are corporations often uh, owned in parts of even bigger corporations, uh, their, what their business model is is selling audiences to other businesses. In many instances, especially, let's say, readers of the New York Times, very privileged audiences with a lot of money to spend. Um, so that's how these kind of media companies make money. Um, they don't necessarily make their money from subscriptions, but it's more like advertisements. So, for example, Spotify, you might buy a subscription um, but they're actually, I think, making more money on the uh, people that don't buy the uh, subscription through advertising revenue and that sort of thing. I'm not exactly sure that's how it works in the new internet economy. Some things have changed, but that's how the New York Times has typically uh, done things. You know, you could pay for the New York Times, um, but they don't really make their revenue off of people buying, you know, the, the individual papers. They make it from, you know, big corporations uh, making advertisements on their front pages. So uh, that's the propaganda model. Um, basically, you know, as told by Noam Chomsky, I think generally newspapers, now they're also kind of going out of fashion, but I think newspapers are something like 60% ad to 40% content. So even generally just the newspaper and media, uh, if you ever watch the media on new on the, on the TV, which I never do, but, um, you know, it seems like every three, every three or four minutes, they're going to another commercial break. They're trying to fit in some lies and bullshit And then, uh, you know, back off to uh, the commercials. So, you know, you're really only getting three or four minutes. The world is much more complicated uh, to present to people in three to four minutes between commercial breaks. So, uh, but what what, what do you think about the mainstream media, the agenda setting media, the mainstream media, the, you know, the ones on, you know, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post, even, uh, you know, social media companies, they're kind of delivering news you know the elites they own the entire information system the internet the news companies the tv stations all that stuff so that's when i say mainstream media i mean all those things you know 
together, not just individual newspapers, but everything, the whole system, the whole information system. So what say you about the information system, Twitter, Instagram, uh, New York Times, Fox News, CNN, just generally? I mean, I think we're both trying to, again, sift through the lies, the misinformation, and try to find truth, try to find reality, where is reality, try to open our third eye, gain enlightenment. So what, do you see some similarities that I see? Yeah, we, 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 like, I, like, I, like, I just feel like we live in the matrix, you know what I mean? And it's, it's starting to come to light that we live in the matrix. Uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter. Um, I don't really know how much misinformation that he blocked, but. You know, it seems like he still blocked a lot of information that we need just for the commercial business. Um, well, like Gaza, for example, I'm, I'm one of my passions is you know trying to yeah. to speak up for people in Gaza that are getting slaughtered right now. So it's it's pretty much uh, I think it's pretty much common knowledge. It's that they're you know um, silencing a lot of accounts that are presenting you know pro Palestinian, pro Gaza news and um you know painting israel in a bad light israel is of course united states ally elon musk is very much uh, allied i think he even went over to israel recently and did a speaking engagement there so there definitely seems to be a biased presentation of the the some people call it a war but it's certainly not a war it's very one-sided israel is just killing you know people of gaza left and right it's a genocide going on right now before our eyes so that's just one you know there's a pro mainstream media bias towards Israel and uh, against Gaza in in this conflict. So that's just one of many. So, for example, we can go to the other war going on right now that happened since um, Biden took office, the war in Ukraine. We're supposed to look at Russia being bad. They are the enemy. We're supposed to, you know, support Ukraine, which prior to this conflict was voted the most corrupt government in Europe. Uh, they don't really mention the fact that in 2014, the United States did a coup d'etat. They overthrew the government of U- Ukraine yeah. and uh, they put in place a puppet regime that would be sympathetic to American power interests. So, you know, those are just two conflicts going on right now. But the media, of course, presents it in a very specific biased and slanted way. Yeah, you have to realize that uh, information is blocked for the fact of, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, It's a a financial situation involved in these things. So if you put out the truth, people lose money. And it comes to Facebook that uh, Mark Zuckerberg, that's why he went to court, because he's blocking information that's honest and people are looking for it, but you're you're not telling everybody. You're blocking the true information, and that's why Reddit and that's why Telegram are like kind of like they're not really known. Yeah, it's uncensored. You get everything. You get the good, because the bad, commercial, and the ugly, right? Commercial use, Facebook, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram is commercial. You know, just like underground music is underground for a reason it's not commercial because you can't get it you can't get the raw and real on the commercial you're not you know what i mean you get it underground you have to search and do your research for it and that that's what uh uh the situation with uh ukraine and gaza um i'm 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 starting i'm still seeing things about people supporting gaza and and what's going on but 
people were forgetting about it like it never happened for some reason. I don't I don't understand that one. So I have I have some books here by Noam Chomsky. Uh, I think one of them is called uh, What About Palestine? He's been re- writing about this conflict now for decades. A lot of people think that it happened, uh, you know, October 7th was the, you know, what started this conflict. It's actually been playing on now since I think 19, was it 1947? So this is, uh, you know. It's been decades. going on? It's been going on since I think 1947 when uh, Israel was created. Uh, right. Don't quote me on that. I'm not an expert, but it's, it's some sometime after the um, World War II, the state of Israel was um created in the Palestinian land was taken over. Um, and uh, Israel, of course, wouldn't exist without the United States support, um, political support, financial support, military support. But um, I'm going to maybe do a podcast on Israel and, the, and its history. Um, but, you know, go to Noam Chomsky. He's an expert. He's got way more material on it than than I can provide, certainly even in a, in a podcast. So I'm thinking about doing one in the future. But you did mention music. So why don't we, why don't yeah. we, why don't we transition to the music business? Tell okay. people what you do in the music business. What, what kind of projects have you done? You've worked on hip-hop. You've put out some albums. You're an independent artist. Um, what, what about, uh, you know, what, what have you learned about the music business? Uh, is it difficult to be an independent artist to make a living doing music? Um, I've been doing music probably for about 14 years now. Um I put out almost, uh, I would say, 17 projects, mixtapes and albums included. Um, half of those I've did myself, promotion, uh, covers, mixed my own music. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, a lot of the times I had to go and find studios myself. A lot of the times I had to do music myself. A lot of the times I had to reach out to people myself. A lot of the times I had to do shows myself. Sometimes I did shows. Uh, the first show was always the smallest, but if I'm consistent enough, the third show would be the most successful. Um, I had to go through a lot of non-support for people to even know who I am. Not know my music, but know who I am. At um, uh, this point in time, people know my name more than they know my music. They know my name more than I know my music. Why? Because you have to invest in your music financially more than, you know, promote and all that stuff. It takes a lot of money to get your music out there because it's a huge world and there's a lot of people in it and there's a lot of music. So if you want to get your name known, you can promote all you want. But if you want to get your music known, you have to invest a thousands of dollars for your music to be known. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of think about music. I think there's a lot of amazing music. It's probably easier than ever to kind of put your music out there on the internet for everyone to listen to. That's harder to try to get a big fan base, you know, thousands of streams or millions or billions of streams if you're someone like Justin Bieber. Um, But I think the main thing is there's a lot of talented people that I've never heard of that you've never heard of. There's a lot of great music out there. I hear new music every single day. I try to listen to a lot of independent music stations and, you know, try to find more and more music, uh, independent music and, and groups and that sort of thing. Because what I've realized is I think most of the mainstream stuff, the stuff that they play on the, on the radio and on television and, and that kind of stuff, I think it's mostly garbage. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. you know, corporate dominated. It's music that's, very superficial it's very shallow it's not much more than themes of like sex 
love, lust, making money, all that kind well, of stuff. And I think that uh, there's 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 a real lack of socially conscious music, music that actually yeah. has something to say, social awareness of society's ills and you know politics, revolution, working class music. So I think that there is a major shortage in those types of things. I think that mainly successful artists are the factor, are are are, are the product, I should say, of a corporation and a mass marketing campaign and i think that again there's a lot of people undiscovered that don't have the backing that don't have the corporate um you know marketing power to get their music out there like i I, i'm sure that there's way more talented people that we've never heard of that that will never get a chance and that's because they you know they don't have that uh you know they don't have that uh you know presence on social media or that marketing company behind them to kind of get their music out there that's what i think that's what i think at least there's a there's a, a thing uh that they do. Um what makes the most money is sex, drugs, and you know, just violence is what makes the money for the for the music industry, not conscious music. It just doesn't it do, it doesn't work like that. J. Cole is probably a conscious rapper, but you don't see him promoted as much as like the trap rappers like Gucci and all that stuff. Like you don't, you don't see him out there as much as you do unless he's on like a fired beat or he's rapping with somebody that's sex, drugs, and violence. He has to go out and really find that. You know what I mean? He has to go out and do his work to get known. You see what I'm saying? It's very hard for conscience rap and the truth to be out there because that's not what makes the money. The money is the, the twerking and the sex and the drugs and the alcohol. I agree. I actually uh, did a little bit of rapping, uh, just freestyling before I started this podcast on another account. I don't do that account anymore. Maybe at some point I'll get back into freestyling, but I was really deep, went down a wormhole just checking out like uh, <laughs> freestyle, freestyle rapping. You ever watch, uh, Funk Master Flex, he always has people on there. There's YouTube videos. Yeah. He'll bring people on to have him just freestyle to beats and stuff. Uh, Sway. Yeah, yeah. Sway was another yeah, one, right? Yeah. Does he have a – is it Sway? He has a show? Yeah. Yeah, Sway. And uh, he's on, I think, Sirius XM now. And um, But, yeah, I've just, I saw a bunch of videos, and J. Cole was incredible. He he is yeah. so fire. His freestyle, the stuff that comes into his mind, it's so much different than anyone else. So I totally agree there. Uh, he, there's a lot of good freestyle rappers out there, many of which don't have a lot of mainstream excess, success. J. Cole does have some. Um, but, uh, yeah, his, his freestyle and his, his mind is just incredible. He's so fast, so quick. And making up, you know, stuff that I've never heard of, you know, and, and, and there's actually some content to to his to what he's saying. It's not just, you know, a bunch of superficial yeah. noise, you know. So, I definitely agree with that. Let's, uh, what, what else can we go with? We, let's talk a little bit about mental health. We talked a little bit about health care. What about mental health, social anxiety? And you kind of wanted to talk about anxiety a little bit. What have you learned about anxiety? Do you struggle with that? Or I think you said your daughter did. What, do you, what have you learned about mental health, your mental awareness, your um, maybe struggles or family struggles with anxiety? Uh, I think since the last time I talked about it, um, I was talking about my daughter being um, in Florida and she went through so many facilities and so many psychiatrists, um, to update on that. She has finally, after seven years, 
after seven years going through all the facilities and everything, she's uh finally went back with her mom and she's kind of back to normal. You know what I mean? It's 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 been a long journey, but she still struggles with social anxiety. She doesn't really talk much, but she still has that in her mind. It's uh, the um, trauma. But uh, what I've learned from that was I think people are just triggered by so much now. I don't I don't really know how it compares to the past because the past, like as a kid I don't I don't know how we got so involved in in mental health. You know what I mean? I just feel like nowadays um too much talking and too much conversation kind of overwhelms you in the mind. Too much uh music all day kind of takes over your uh mental um, I, I think you just got to sit down and smell the roses sometimes or just sit down and look yeah. at the clouds. I feel, like, I feel like our fast-paced society, we're constantly on the go, and I don't think that's normal. We shouldn't be on the phone, on a computer all day long. Sometimes I feel like we disconnect with reality. Sometimes when I, one of my favorite things to do down here in South Texas is just go to the beach with a book yeah. or sometimes just lay on a towel and look up to, into the sky, and I'm just like, wow, nature is crazy. Feel, it's crazy, do, you know? Do you feel like that... that- the uh, phones and the internet and, you know, the attention span has got shorter, but also it takes over our minds more now and it, it takes over our thought presses, process sometimes in the way we think. And that's what that's where the anxiety and all the depression and stuff comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't want to speculate on, you know, the, the, uh, the incidents and the number of cases of you know mental health problems and anxiety i don't know if it's going up or down i would think with awareness it's probably going up is it that attributed to technology i'm not sure but i definitely think the attention span i mean people you know i mean i i can remember not having the internet you know not having computer uh it kind of came during i don't know i think i was maybe middle school when i first remember working on computer for the first time so i think the majority of my childhood, I was disconnected, but there are kids in these next generations. Yeah. They're going to be basically growing up, you know, having a computer or a phone in their hands since day one, you know, it's pretty incredible what that's going to do to the mind. And certainly it's going to alter it. And yeah, I definitely think attention spans, you know, people need to be constantly stimulated, you know, music, television, videos, just constantly all day long scrolling. And yeah, I don't think that's that's a great thing. Yeah. Stimulation. So, is stimulation a thing? Like, is that is that what sure. you know gets people going, or you know I, what I mean? That's that's kind we of where we're at. I think we get addicted so, to it. We're used to it. We need it. We get addicted to it. Videos, uh, music, uh, you know, loud. It's not. It's not the playground no more. It's not. Yeah. You know, going outside with your friends. It's not bike riding. It's not going to the park. It's not. You know, it's not the board games. It's not that no more. The stimulation the kids do that? is. Do kids play board games? What? Do they go to the park? Do they go on bike rides anymore? Is that? I mean, some some kids do play board games as long as you teach them how to play. You know, you gotta invest in that time. But uh, there is kids that, that I know out here that'll be outside all day. They won't be on their phones because they're kids right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this is this is where we're at. So I just feel like stimulation is a big thing right now, and that's what we we feed off of to get where we're going and 
you know, it might be, it might not be a good thing because AI is kind of taking over. So if we rely on AI moving forward, then imagine in the next 10 years, that's all we're going to need, or that's all we're going to have to, uh, you know, survive. They call that the the, the singularity robots taking over AI, taking over, taking over the planet. I don't think it's going to happen. I think AI struggles to tell the difference between a bridge and a orange or something like that. You know, I mean, you never see those silly yeah. things to log onto the website. What say you though? The singularity automation computers taking over the world. Is that ever going to happen in our lifetime? Uh, I think it already did because we got phones, we got Google, you know what I mean? We got Alexa, we got, you know what hey, I mean? Remember, remember, kids, Alexa, Google, uh, they are government spies, by the way. Don't say or, you know, be careful what you're saying around Alexa. Be care- careful what you're saying around your phone or what you're typing into Google. Because guess what? Let me tell you something. They are government. Uh, they are, they are, uh, they are, what do they call them? Uh, they're rats. They're government rats. They're all no speaking problem. to the government. You're going to get in trouble saying and typing some stuff into Google. So be careful out there. The phones are the robots that took over. You know what I mean? The computers are the robots that took over. That like that's this is the reality we're in. They're trying to move forward with actual robots, but we're already there. The robots is Google. The robots is the phones. And the in the last the year, what's the farthest Facebook. you've been away from your phone? In the last year, what's the farthest you've been away from it? The farthest? You mean like feet wise or yeah, I, like is it? Have you ever left a room? I haven't, I haven't. I haven't been away from my phone much. I mean, that's that's the way we communicate. So AI, that's this is what it is. The robots have taken over already. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I haven't. I can't get away from my. I'm talking to you on the phone. I can't even talk to you in person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they've already taken over. It's just it's now it's downhill from here on yeah. out. Yeah, I think so. All right, we got a couple more minutes. Uh, any projects you want to, we can definitely do this again sometime. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll give you the last uh, minute or so. Anything you want to say? Where can people find you? Any projects you're working on or anything on your chest you want to get off your chest? Go ahead. Uh, man, look, man, I don't want people to find me at all. That's how I feel now. Since the last time I talked to you, I don't want people to find me. Um, I would say the best place I want people to find me is Facebook. T-E-A-123, um, Facebook.com, T-E-A-123. I'll spread the most knowledge on there in a way where you can understand what's going on. But other than that, there's no other site that you can find me on. And I don't want you to find me on any, <laughs> any other site. Because <laughs> every everybody's, you know, the censors. The censors and the, the misinformation, they block it everywhere. Uh, I would say Telegram, once I get involved in that, I'll start working with that. But other than that, Facebook is probably the best way for you to get some good information on what's really going on under the, you know, under the dirt of America and what's really going on over here, so... All right, Todd Drips Anderson, thanks for stopping by. It was a pleasure catching up again. Have a great night. Appreciate yeah. your time. Yeah, you too, man. All right, see ya. All right. Thank you for listening to Necessary Illusions. 
I also want to thank my special guest, Todd Drips Anderson, for a great discussion on life and pretty much anything and everything. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. No gods, no masters, I'm out.